What's up, everybody? Alex Xero from Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590, the fan. You're listening to Alfredo, Chris, and Dave on the Benfica podcast. Ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befica podcast, episode number 361. Here we are, another week, uh, dealing with this new reality in the world, as you know, bringing you content every week. We're, we're making an effort to bring you content. I know everybody's going a little bit stir-crazy. I know I am. Um, and, and being home and, and being locked in a home and not having a the usual break that you would have from from the family. I love my family. I love my kids. I love my wife. But sometimes you just need to take a little break. Uh, Cristiano, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, considering, you know, the circumstances uh, could be worse. But, you know, uh, not doing that bad at the moment. Just glad to be able to, you know, see another day and that my family so far has been uh, clear of, of this mess that's, that's affecting the world right now. Uh, so pretty happy to be back here for another podcast, another night, another podcast. I uh our good friend Steve used to say it, so uh, just excited to, to get yeah. started tonight. Dave's up in Toronto, as everybody knows. What's the situation like in, up in Canada? Um, I think the curve is slowly uh, going down, or at least it's on the uh, on the men. It's not going as high as it uh, was a couple of uh, days ago or even weeks ago. So they're starting to see the curve on the uh, or starting to see the curve on the curve, if you want to call it that way. It's not increasing, but uh, yeah, people just need to continue uh, their social distancing, staying at uh, home. But uh, yeah, luckily we're uh, all my close family and friends. Uh, we're all uh, safe and healthy and uh, knock on wood. Hopefully that uh, continues that way. Excellent. Um, we have a, a great guest for, for you tonight. Um, everyone that listens to our podcast knows that we've been uh, a big supporter of uh of this young lad if you want to call that um is since his benfica ties and and now when he's moved back to the the us uh we've stayed close uh with him and we've always been in touch keaton parks everyone what's going on keaton doing good man just fine through it here in my apartment uh the last few weeks so i'm doing good i'm happy uh, good good man I, yeah man I, I appreciate you uh taking the time to to come on and, and speak to us. I know that it's been uh, quite a little bit of time, and we've tried to hook up a couple times, but it just hasn't worked out because uh, a footballer's life, if you will, uh, is busy. There's always uh, these other uh, engagements that you need to attend to, along with training, along with rest, so we have to be respectful of that. So we appreciate you, uh, you coming on, for sure. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Keen, sticking with that, man, what uh, what what have you been, what have you been up to? Uh, as the club put you on some type of training resume, talk to us what a day uh in in Keaton Park's life is like nowadays. Yeah, I mean, still waking up early, uh, getting all my meals and you know eating good, and then we have a training regimen that we that they've given us. Um, we're training still five times a week, um, getting as much running in as we can in the streets, or if we can find a grass area, try to 
try to get in a grass area, um, but also strength training and stuff. Just in my living room, they sent us equipment and all that to to get the the most out of out of our workouts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not easy. We're uh, I'm just trying to make the most of it and and use my time as um, as well as I can to stay fit for for the season when it starts back up. Was there a point or like a moment in the day that you realized the seriousness of the situation? Like, you know, it's going to be one of those moments that we're all going to look back. And when, when, when this came out about having to stay home and how your lives are going to be changed, we all we're all going to remember that moment for the rest of our lives. When, at what point did you think that or when you found out that this was going to be serious? What was your first reaction? Yeah, it was the day after the Tigres game. We were supposed to have training because we had a game coming up in three days. Um, and right I was like five minutes before we were supposed to leave they texted all of us said stay home uh we're not training we're on a training moratorium starting now so it just hit me I was like dang like we're really shutting down I mean we are in New York City so we are in a, a more dangerous spot in the world right now but um uh yeah and then everything I just noticed everything was shutting down the whole world was basically shutting down at that point and um I mean it was just it's really just shock it's it's crazy to see this happening um like in, in our lifetimes yeah, no, absolutely. Keaton, I, w- I want to take it back to uh, the early days of you uh, growing up, uh, a young lad in, in Texas. You got your club start with Liverpool Warriors. What was it like growing up in Texas and in, in, in playing soccer? Uh, I would say it's a, it was pretty normal childhood for me. I played all the sports, of course, uh, but soccer was always my best and my favorite. Um and I mean, it was different because because the other sports are a lot bigger down there, even though soccer is huge in Texas. Uh, obviously, we have high school football and, and basketball and everything. And these sports are, are massive down there. So, um, I mean, it was just different because I played soccer and I was so focused and committed to soccer. It was different from everybody else. And uh, not not as many people are fans of soccer or have any knowledge of soccer, to be fair. So uh, just in that sense, it was different. But um, other than that, Pretty normal childhood. Just played played all the sports. Went to school. Did everything normal. Yeah, and within that context, and, and you know, and being focused on playing soccer. At what point did you uh, come to the conclusion that this is what I want to do for a living? Yeah, I would say it's my after my sophomore year of high school. Um, I got to go to Portugal for the first time. My coach from back in Dallas brought me there. Um, his name's Armando Pelias. He used to play in Portugal, so he had connections. He brought me there in the summer. Uh, we stayed there for four weeks, just training with random teams and and getting my name out there. And then I returned the next summer after my junior year. Um, and then I returned after my senior year to sign uh, my first contract with Varzim. So um, it was it was really that after that first trip that I got to go to Portugal was when it really became reality. Yeah. So, and your brother played uh, play soccer as well, uh, Keaton. Is that uh, right? Your brother Kyle. Right. Right. Yeah, and he went to uh, Harvard. What were your, uh, your parents' reactions when they uh, realized you weren't going to college, but uh, going across the Atlantic to uh, play in Portugal? Yeah, I mean, they were they were happy for me. Um, they knew that this is what I wanted to do, and they were they were just proud of me, really, to for chasing this uh, chasing my dream. They they knew. I mean, so I am in college now. They always wanted me to go to college and get a degree. So um, they knew I could always go back and, and get my degree whenever I wanted to. So um, they said, pursue it now. We'll see what happens. I mean, um, but they were always confident and proud of me, and, and they still are proud of me today. So. And uh, you spoke about uh, the tournament uh, in Versim. Um 
what what type of contacts did that put you in uh, and what opportunities did that um, bring out uh, with your first experience in Portuguese football? Yeah, so there was just that little preseason tournament. It wasn't uh, it wasn't like really for a trophy. I think it was just four teams and we played two games. Um, but that was where I mean, that's where I got seen by Varzine. So I had actually been there for like the two and a half months before that training with their under 19 team. Um, but funny enough, like when we returned for this tournament, they wanted to sign us and they, they said that they had never, like, they didn't know who we were and they'd never seen us before when we had been there for two and a half months. So, uh, that was like a little funny, but yeah, I mean, it was just, I think, I think those previous summers did help get my name out there a little bit, uh, whether they said they knew me or not. Um, but going back for that tournament and, and just playing in like a little stadium and in a, in Europe just I mean, made it all feel real. And, and that's where I got my, my first contract. So, Keen, here's there, here's there's this all American six foot three Texas boy where everything is bigger than than than, you know, than reality. And you get to Little Vodazine. What was that experience like, man? Yeah, that was a huge culture shock for me. Um, first of all, I speak I only speak English. Well, now I speak Portuguese, but um, I only spoke English. Um, I mean, tiny city right on the beach. Nothing like where I grew up or had ever been in my life. So um, it was. It was definitely a culture shock. I had my friend there with me who who understood Portuguese for the most part and, and spoke Spanish at least. So um, I had a little bit of help. And I think, I mean, I think it would have been just hundreds of times harder if I was alone, you know, like not being able to speak to anybody because it is a really small town. There's not a lot of people that speak English there. Um, so that made it very difficult. But, um, I mean, I just pushed through it. There were days where I was super bored, super lonely. But um, looking back on it, never got too bad. Now you mentioned before your coach and you know uh, back in Texas Armando Palais. I know the guy. A lot of people listening probably have never heard of him. So tell us a little bit of backstory about him and how important was he to get you to adapt to Portuguese lifestyle. Yeah, he was my coach since I was eight years old. Um, so basically, my whole growth as a soccer player was through him. Um, he has family, so heritage from Portugal. He has a bunch of family that lives there, cousins and and grandparents and friends and all that live in Portugal now. Um, so my first few summers, I got to meet all the, uh, all these people and, and really see the lifestyle and the culture in Portugal, which was just, just a huge part of learning uh, my way there as well. Um, so that, that helped me as well when I went there and stayed there alone without him. Um, but he was very integral to, to my whole soccer career and, and, and where it got started and also just helping me adapt to that new lifestyle. Yeah, but that without knowing the knowledge, uh, without knowing the language, I should say, uh, and obviously that was probably one of the one of the obstacles for you. Uh, what other struggles did you have coming up uh, to play in Portugal? Yeah, I mean, once I got there, another struggle was just being away from family and friends and all that. Um, I mean, I had never done that before. I never lived so far away. I never not seen my family for such a long time. Um, FaceTime was a huge part of my life at the time, uh, had to stay connected somehow. Um, but also just missing out on ever, I mean, all my friends had gone off to college at the same time where I was, I moved away to Portugal. So, um, I was at times I was feeling like I was missing out on all these things and, and college soccer and college parties and stuff like that, you know, um, which looking back obviously seems so small and so unimportant now, which I mean, which they are, but when you're in the moment, you, you do feel like you miss out a little bit. Yeah. Was there a, 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 
a stigma associated with the perception that an American player is inferior to a European or a South American player? Did you notice that there was a stigma involved in that? Um, I, I could kind of guess by the way people like saw me and, and looked at me. Um, again, I didn't understand what they were saying, so they could have been talking the most trash they wanted and I would have never known. But um, the way they like looked at me, I don't know. I, maybe I was looking for it as well, but I, I did feel some vibes from players where they just thought like, oh, like this guy's like a nobody, you know, he just came from the U.S. Like, um, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't fight. I don't know. Like, he just doesn't have the capabilities that we have here growing up and living football our whole life. So um, I think I did have one story where w when I showed up in Mifika and I had my first trainings with the B team, um, there were a couple of guys in the team who who thought I was going to be horrible and like, oh, it's just another American guy. So and then as the season went on and progressed and I got playing time and stuff, they, they started to respect me more. And like we, we even became friends after that. So um, I did hear stories after all after everything. They're like, oh, yeah, these guys did not like you at the beginning. They didn't see any any talent just because you're an American guy and stuff. So I, I always thought that was funny. Yeah. Yes. So you were able to put you, you uh, did your talking on the pitch uh, and, and let uh, you proved it that way. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, what would you take away from your your time at Verzim? You uh, played in uh, 22 games, four goals. What would you take away from that time? Um, just the experience playing in front of decent side, uh, decent sized crowds and everything. Um, and when I had good performances, my name would be in the newspaper a little bit, stuff like that. And like, I mean, that was all just a part of the experience and, and getting adapted to, to professional soccer. And um I mean, at the time, I wasn't 100% sure where it was going or where I would end up and all that. So, um, I mean, I was just taking it in and enjoying it. Um, and I think, I mean, it obviously helped uh, helped me grow as a player and, and prepare me for these bigger moments when I got to sign with Benfica and playing these bigger games and stuff like that. Yeah, so you, you signed with Benfica the July of 2017. And where did you first hear of uh, Benfica's interest? Through my agent. So he was the one that had the contact to uh, Benfica. Um, and I think I might have even heard the first interest through a newspaper article, you know, because, um, you know, how the rumors spread and, and things get out. But um, I mean, it was my, my agent is the one with the connection and all that. Um, and it was just after like a, a, a game spell with Varzine and I was playing right mid, like out of position, all this stuff. And um, I'm hearing that Benfica had an interest in me and stuff just was amazing. And it gave me a lot of confidence and, um, it was just, it, it seemed random to me. <laughs> um, real quick, we're talking to Keaton Parks of uh, NYCFC. Uh, obviously he's got ties to Benfica. We're having a little chit chat with him. So hopefully you guys are enjoying this, uh, up to now. Keaton, in a short period of time, you go from Texas a little bit of zine, and now you're at Benfica. I mean, for those of you, uh, that are listening for the first time and, just heard about Benfica now. Benfica is the, the Dallas Cowboys of, of the, the NFL, you know, the United States. It's ginormous. What was your reaction, man? Um, just I don't know. Pure, pure happiness, honestly. Um, to like to be fair, I didn't grow up watching Benfica or anything, but of course I knew who they were. Um, huge name, huge club in the world of soccer, and just the fact that they had interest in me was already a crazy feeling. And when it was all coming to light and I was about to sign my contract and everything, it was just a dream come true for me. Um, could, still, honestly, can't believe that I, that I got to play for, for Benfica to this day. Now, was Seychelles everything you expected? 
Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty no. sure in Portugal you hear about the great Seychelles right. turning up, you know, Renato Sanchez of the world, all these superstars, and all of a sudden you find yourself. Is it like better than a dream, or was it, you know, let you down a little bit from what you expected? No, I mean, it was just all new to me. It was like more of a surprise um, because, of course, like I know about the academies and, and, and throughout Europe, uh, these big clubs have academies and stuff, but we don't have anything like that in the U.S., uh, nothing that I had grew up in. Um, I mean, the national team had uh, had something going on here with the, with the young ages. I forget uh, what it was, residency, which I think they try to they try to relate to, to the academies in Europe. But, I mean, when I showed up and it's just a huge – campus dedicated to football and to growing the youth and to building some of the best footballers in the world uh it was really just a surprise and like a like it was just new to me you know like it was i can't really tell you how i reacted or not but um it, it was really just an amazing place that was uh just dedicated to football which is which is really cool what's the highlight of your, your seychelles i should say was the highlight of your stay at seychelles the time you met alfredo and i outside your apartment yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was was there something that when when you started going to the Seychelles and and it became part of your routine? Was there something that uh, was really jaw dropping for you? Something that's like, whoa, I never seen this before, or something that really grabbed you? The coolest thing about it to me was going there every day and seeing the academy players starting at I don't even know U twelve or U thirteen. Who, are, who just live there, not like all the time. And like, they'll take a bus to go to school and stuff, but they live and they sleep on campus in the dorms. And just every time I'd go there, whether it was in the morning for training or later at night for a meal, um, they were always there. They were always out on the little turf fields, like kicking the ball around or just getting touches, just doing whatever they wanted, you know, but it was always football centered. And I always thought that was like the coolest thing ever because I mean, these kids just get to grow up and play football their whole life and, and develop their skill and their and their touch and and they get a they get all these resources provided to them to to do that. And um, I always thought that would have been so amazing if I had the chance to to be able to do that as a kid. And that was that was always really cool to me. Yeah. After arriving at Seychelles, you became a, a staple in Bifika's B setup. Uh, featuring 31 games across all competitions. How did you adapt to your new reality uh, at uh, at Seychelles and playing for Bifika B? Yeah, at the beginning, of course, I was I was a little nervous. Uh, I mean, I saw the guys and the way they looked at me and stuff. Uh, so I was just there to, to prove myself. Uh, I think the first day, it was a pretty hot day, and I, we were wearing sleeveless shirts, and even the coach called me out first day. He said, you need to get in the gym and stuff more of like a as a joke but like also like yeah you need to get in the gym he called me out in front of the whole team so i was like all right like this is how it's going to be right now like i got to get used to this so um it was i was a little nervous to say at, right at the start but i think i grew into it, uh rather quickly uh the guys were awesome the guys were always nice and they helped me out and the staff was was amazing so um i just had to get used to 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 this new football life that i had where i was just always there on campus always training always surrounded by football and uh um i mean just how do you used to it probably took me a couple of weeks and and i was i was there so you get uh, your b team experience and then uh, you get called up for the uh to the main squad you fit feature in six games between the league the league cup and the portuguese cup can you tell us uh, your reaction when you first learned that you were being called up to the uh, main squad and who broke the news to you yeah it was um 
I mean, so I had been training with the first team uh, here and there with the international breaks. They would call a bunch of us up just to fill in uh, numbers for trainings. And uh, and I, I think I, I just got to stick with them a little more, a little extra whenever players even return. Um, I don't remember who broke the initial news. It might have been Rui Vitoria who, who told me for the first time that I was going to be on the on the squad list for, for a game. Um, and then, of course, we, they always brought 20 men, so – it was always up until game time where I would find out if I was even on the bench or starting or whatever. So um, it was, it was just like, it, it was an amazing feeling when I, when I even made the 18, I was like, Oh sweet. Like I get to dress up. I get to go warm up with the, like out in the stadium, you know? Um, and it was, I think it was a game against Vittoria, uh, Vittoria, this tool, um, 50,000 fans in the stadium. Um, and, and it was just really cool to go out there and and even warm up. I think my Portuguese teacher was sitting like two rows in, and I got to see her while I was warming up. So just little things like that were cool. But then uh, getting to to sub in and actually actually feature in that game was was amazing. Yeah, and what's it like sharing a locker room with players like uh, Jonas and Salvio and, and Pizzi? Tell us uh, how it's like sharing that uh, that locker room with those guys. Yeah, that's that's so crazy to me. Uh, I mean, I watch those guys on TV still. Um, obviously, Jonas has has moved on since then, and Salvio uh, is no longer at Benfica. But um, yeah, like just like the years before that, I had I had I was living in Portugal, right? So I was watching Benfica on on TV and watching all these guys on TV, and then and then I was there sitting on the bench with them or, or playing in the game with them, which was really just an amazing feeling. Um, it, it was very rewarding. Uh, really felt like all my work was. Hard work was paying off and and the results were showing and it was really just it's just an amazing feeling like a really cool moment for me that I got to play in a game with these guys. Now the night before you made your debut against Vitoria Stubel, did you already know where you're going to be included in the, in the initial 18 or you had to get to the stadium and then Rui Vitoria was going to let you know the two extra guys know sorry today you sit in the stands? Yeah no I had to wait until we we're in the locker room and they always tell us after that. So the night before even though you're part of the 20, you're not sure if you're going to be in the initial 18. You're probably nervous as hell, right? You're not sleeping at, at all, right? No, I was sleeping. At, like, just in the the fact that I, I need to sleep, you know, I got to be ready for this game if I do go in. Um, so I, I wasn't too nervous. Uh, I think before that even, I had been on a squad list and, and knocked out of the 18. So uh, it wasn't my first time. So I wasn't, like, too worried whether I was on the list or not. I was just – like, oh, well, I'm happy to be here and I'm going to keep working. Maybe I'll get here one day. So uh, it was just another night for me. Yeah, the 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 17 18 season also saw you get a call up uh, to the to the first to the U20 US national team and then at the end of the season in May uh you got your chance uh and got your first senior cap against Bolivia. What was that like finally representing your country? That was also just another dream come true for me. Uh, I mean, I, I just felt like uh, all my hard work was paying off again. It's very rewarding. Um, and then the fact that it was here in Philadelphia, after a long season in Portugal, I got to be back home in the U.S. All my family and friends got to come out and watch me play, stuff like that. So um, it was really just a perfect moment, and everybody was there to enjoy it with me, and it was awesome. Yeah. That season that you spent uh, with mostly with the main team, did you feel that there was a pressure to win uh, that uh, fourth championship in a row? Was it four or five? Five. 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 Sorry. Five, yeah. 
the tetra. Uh, I was gonna say uh, tetra, but I didn't know whether you you knew the word or not, Keaton. Yeah, no, um, I think I would have recognized the word if you did say that. But <laughs> thank you for speaking English. Um, <laughs> it was uh, there was definitely pressure. Um, there's, I think there's always pressure. Uh, Benfica is is the biggest club in Portugal, and I think we're expected to win every season. Um, and there was definitely a little pressure. Uh, me being a younger player, maybe I felt it more than the older players. Maybe they're they're more uh, I don't know adapted and 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 they understand the pressure, you know. So maybe they don't feel it as much, but they just know about it. Um, but I I think I definitely felt it, uh, and I wanted to be I wanted to contribute to it. And when I did have minutes, I definitely was out there pushing myself to to make sure that we did win it. And it was just an unfortunate uh, ending ending to that season. Now. Um... Coming from uh, overseas, how intimidating is the Estadio de Luz? Like for the first time uh, playing in there and, and just playing on a, a, a weekend and week out basis, how how intimidating is was that for you? Um, it, was, it really wasn't too bad for me. Um, I, I've never really felt pressure from like the stadium or the crowd or, or the lights or anything like that. I don't think I've ever – that had never really bothered me. Um not to say that I had any experience with it, but it really just was never something that really was on my mind. I think uh, the most pressure for me was just from myself uh, for, for the most part, like I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and, and I want to impress all these coaches and players and, and people watching, but um, from the crowd itself, I'm, I'm just out there to, to give them an enjoyable game, you know, and entertain them. And that, that never really played a huge part. Um, but one thing about the Ashanti Deleuze is like, it was it was just it's an amazing stadium it's a huge stadium and um it didn't really put pressure on me make me nervous but it it was just another i don't know like a dream come true type thing like uh like i can't believe i'm actually playing here at this at this amazing massive world renowned stadium you know and how about the bus ride into the uh, stadium explain your uh, your feelings with uh, seeing all those fans outside the stadium as the bus is pulling through uh, and uh, entering the stadium, expri- uh, explain your your feelings uh, seeing all the fans waiting outside the stadium. Yeah, that's always amazing. Uh, I think that's so cool that all the fans show up so early, um, that they're hanging out outside the stadium and and really just there for us. You know, like they're everybody's there just to support us and, and to watch us. And um, it's really cool to see like they're, they're there hours before game uh, just to just to see the bus and they can't even actually see through the windows to see the players so i was always uh sitting in the bus looking out the window like looking at all the people like dang this is so cool um I, some of the other players there i guess they're just used to it they're on their phones or whatever but i was always facing against the glass staring at everybody i thought it was really cool now keaton heading into your second year you already spent some time with the b team obviously gotten to debut with the main squad did you have any expectations to making a regular squad that year um, I was, I, I didn't have like, yeah, I guess I, I expected to, to have, I don't know, more of a chance. Maybe I think I had the chance. Um, and maybe I just didn't take it, which is, which is very possible, obviously. But, um, I mean, obviously I wanted to be there. Um, I knew it wasn't going to come easy. I knew I had to work for it still. And, and I had to fight every, tra- uh, every training session. Cause they're going to bring new guys in, new guys are going to get a chance, all this stuff. So, um, of course, I wanted to be there, and maybe I expected it a little bit, but I also knew it wasn't going to come easy, and, and it just didn't happen for me.
you were a part of that 2018 roster that, that made their way here to participate in the tw- uh, uh, ICC tournament. You actually stepped up and scored a penalty against Juventus at Red Bull Arena. And we, you and I have spoken about this uh, when we, we, we had, you know, off the air. And, you know, I asked you, explain to me, what was it like stepping up to the penalty spot against Juventus with all your friends in the stadium at home? I mean, did you feel any pressure at the time that you had to come through and, and, and score and put in the back of the net? Which you did, by the way. I mean, you looked calm and collected, man. Sent the goal the other way. That was a dream PK. Yeah, I was not calm and collected. <laughs> Uh, if I was showing that, um, definitely a lot of stuff going through my mind. Uh, walking up there, I was feeling feeling tired. I had not played that much that game, but I had also not played that much that preseason. So I think even that short amount of time wore me out a little bit. Um, but I was I would say I was pretty nervous. Um, but everything worked out well, and I, I think I I showed well for the for the cameras and all that. So I looked good out there, which is uh, the most important thing. <laughs> Yeah, that, that uh, aside from from being uh, with the with Benfica for that preseason, um, you obviously had ambition to be part of the the A team. But that that first half of the season under Rui Vitoria was very uh, rocky, and and perhaps that is probably the reason why you didn't get more chances because you really didn't know what to do with the team, and it was such a a struggle to get the team to play and to get the results that. It, it, that would probably explains why um, you didn't get uh, uh, an opportunity. Uh, in January, you had a chance to come to uh, to the MLS. When did NYCFC pop up in the picture? Yeah, it was just let's see, probably that December, or maybe maybe as early as November before that January. Um, I had signed with a new agency here in the U.S. and they had the connections with uh, New York City FC. Um, and I mean, we just slowly work through the process, like, like every transfer, uh, like, yeah, like every transfer. So, um, it did take a while. Um, I mean, I would, I had my hopes that maybe I would get more point time with the, with Benfica there and, and just stick around there and uh, finish out the season. But, um, as the time went on and I wasn't getting that point time, which is fine. I mean, it happens, you know, it, it happens to every soccer player and, um, it was just time for me to move on to, to a new team with, get some first division minutes and uh, get more experience as a player. Yeah. Your last game for the B team was January 5th, right around the time where Laj uh, was taking over the main team and promoting uh, players that had been your teammates, such as Jota, Florentino, Zlobin, and, and Ferro in a B team. Um, you're obviously already had the contact going with NYCFC, but do you feel that if you had stayed at Benfica, you would have seen more opportunities than a team as a result of Lodge being very familiar with who you are. And also because you started so many games under Lodge during that first round of the season. I think it's very possible. Yeah. We had a good relationship. Uh, I think he was a big fan of mine and I was, I'm obviously a huge fan of his. Um, and I think it is possible that I got called up with, with the rest of that group. Um, Cause me and Florentino were, were always partnered in the midfield with that B team and um, played a lot of minutes under Lodge. And, um, and I think we just grew a lot under him and, and had a great partnership. And I think maybe that could have translated into, into the A team. Um, but at the same time, the A team had a lot of midfielders, a lot of experience in those players, you know, that uh, PZ and Gabriel and, and Tarapt after, uh, after Lodge brought him up. So, it, there was a lot of experience there already, so there's no way of knowing whether that really uh, would have translated into me getting more time at all. But um, 
I like to think it would have. I like to think that uh, Lodge is a fan of mine, and um, maybe maybe things would have been different. So, what attracted you to uh, make the decision to come back uh, across the pond and to uh, play in the MLS? Uh, just the first division football, honestly. Um, as a player, I always want to keep growing. I always want to get better. Um, and I had been in the, the second league in Portugal for three years at that point or two and a half seasons. Um, and I just, I just wanted to make that next step in my career. You know, I wanted to play against um, bigger competition. I wanted to grow as a player and I, I want to, cause I want to reach my full potential, you know? So um, definitely that um, really just about growth as a player and, and obviously a great club to, to be able to come to and, and all that played a part. Yeah. So at, at that time, it was just announced that it was a loan deal. But did you feel that that was going to be the uh, the finish for you in your, the end of your Benfica career? Or did you still have hopes of uh, returning back to Portugal? Um, I, I still had hopes um, and I still do have hopes. I would love to play for Benfica again um, and get more minutes as a first team player. But um, at the same time, I really didn't know what this loan deal was going to translate into. Um, I was just coming for that year and I was ready to put in my work for that year and, and see what happens after that. Um, I, I did talk to Benfica a little bit at, at the end and um, they didn't necessarily have huge plans for me after the loan deal. Um, Cause of course, like they're, they're successful right now. They have a lot of players, they have a full roster and all that. So um, it's not always easy, which, which is fine though. I'd rather than be honest and, and tell me how it is. And, and if, it's better for me to stay here, which, which ended up being my decision. Um, th that's what happened, you know? So um, obviously I love Benfica. There's, there's no hard feelings at all. And I would love to play for them again. You played at Benfica at a time where the roster had a bunch of fantastic players in your mind. Who's, who's the best player you play with at Benfica or most talented? Yeah, I'm, gonna go with Jonas. I, I'm still going to go with Jonas. I always thought he had an incredible talent. Uh, he saw the game so well and, um, I actually, I would say I learned a lot from him, even whether it was him talking to me or just watching him every day in training. He was a, he's a crazy good player. All right. That's great. I, I thought you were going to say my boy adult that up, but I'll ask you about that up a little bit later. <laughs> now in that January, as we mentioned before, January, you transfer, you come on loan to NYCFC. What was it like finding yourself playing in the league that you grew up watching? Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Um, I, I love being able to play in front of my family and friends and, and for them to get to see me more uh, with the B team and stuff like that. It wasn't always easy to stream our games back here at home. Um, and I just think that part of it and being able to play in, in front of all my family, especially um, is really an amazing feeling. And they've gotten to visit me a lot. They've gotten to come to all the games or a lot of the games. Um, so that's a really cool thing for me. Um, I grew up, I had uh, season tickets to, a few seasons of FC Dallas games. So really getting to play like in that same league that I watched so much is, is really cool. Awesome. What were some of the obvious differences between Portuguese um, second division or even first division in the MLS? Um, I would say the, the physical attributes of all the players in the U.S. are, I don't know, more – more developed, I guess. Um, like everybody in Portugal is very technical, has great touch, has they grew up around football, you know, that was their whole life. And here, um, they really do center more around uh, a little bit more around fitness and strength and speed and stuff like that, which is 
I would uh, attribute to all the other sports, you know, like the coaches take uh, tips from the the way football players train and basketball players train and stuff like that. So um, I think we are getting away from that. I think a lot of the coaches are are learning from European coaches now and Europeans uh, training style, stuff like that. So um, that's I think that's why this the, the league is growing so much. Um, but I would say there there is a, that small difference between the two leagues. Yeah, your first year NYFC, uh, NYCFC was uh, you encountered a team that was regarded by many uh, as a team being rebuilt. You guys ended up flying under the radar, and you actually came in first in the in the Eastern uh, Conference. What what balance do you? Uh, make of that first year in the MLS and, and playing for NYCFC at first adapting to the team and then featuring more regularly on this team that had a good uh, last stretch of the season? Yeah, I think from the start of the season, we had a lot of confidence in ourselves. Uh, we had a lot of talent in the team from, from top to bottom. Uh, and I think we knew that going into the season. Uh, of course, it was difficult at the beginning for me personally because I wasn't playing as much. But I knew, and, and and the team wasn't necessarily getting the results we wanted. But we weren't we weren't struggling either. We weren't playing bad games or anything. So it wasn't it was understandable that these same players were were getting their minutes and stuff. And we were all growing as a team. We we're all growing as a uh, as a new team and building that chemistry. So um, it really just took a little bit of time to to get to the point where we were winning games week in and week out. And um, I think we we just knew from the beginning that we deserved that and that we could accomplish that. So you had already dis, uh, discussed earlier that uh, you had a, an honest conversation with Benfica at the end of uh, last season with uh, NYCFC. Was the decision uh, to sign permanently for NYCFC a hard one, or did you feel like you had more chances uh, to play with uh, in the MLS than you did uh, necessarily going back to Portugal? Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't easy. It wasn't just like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to play more here. Let's Let's stay here. You know, it was – I definitely considered everything, um, but at the same time, my experience here with New York City FC and how, se how last season went, um, it was all amazing. It was it was very successful and and maybe a little disappointing right at the end, obviously. But um, it was a, a crazy, uh, an amazing uh, season and experience for me, and and that helped play a part in my decision for sure. Yeah, with that successful season, uh, New York uh, City FC made it to the uh, CONCACAF Champions League for the first time in their history. Uh, talk about uh, your experience in playing in this competition and uh, how excited were you? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, I mean, that, that first uh, matchup was was a good one and and we put in the work and, and got good results in those games. Um, and then, of course, playing against Tigres is really cool. Uh, they're another huge team. And... Um, just play, being able to get a matchup against some of these guys that that used to play in Europe and stuff and play uh, at big teams there is, is really cool, um, for me at least, and probably a, a lot of the guys on our team. Um, and it's really – it's been a good experience so far, and I hope we can continue to to, to move through move through the rounds and, and get this result back for, against Tigres. Keaton, when the MLS season gets running again, what, what, what talk to us about some of your goals. What's the outlook for your team this season? To do better than last year, uh, of course we want to. We have so many players returning, you know. So we want to. We know that we have the talent, and we want to um, finish first place again, and and hopefully get that supporter shield. But we also want to go further in the playoffs. You know, um, 
here in the MLS is not just regular season. You know, there's a playoff uh, system, and and we got to understand that really. And and we need to do better than than we did last year. We came out and lost in the first game after such a good season, and um, I think we just need to to put our minds and, and focus uh, on making a longer run in playoffs and and not letting it in after regular season. While you were at Benfica, man, you were a part of some very heated rivalries, obviously, Futebol Clube Porto and then the, the, the Lisbon Derby with Sporting. Planet NYCFC, I'm not trying to compare the two, but let's talk to, talk to us about the rivalry with our local club, the New York Red Bulls. I know things get pretty interesting. Uh, does that? How's the atmosphere on the pitch with you guys? Those are good games. I, I, I really, those are like definitely my, my most enjoyable games during the season um, because you definitely feel the rivalry. Uh, the fans make it very apparent uh, throughout the week on social media, stuff like that. Um, and when you're out on the field, you definitely feel, you definitely feel the energy in the crowd and, and even the energy in your opponent and stuff like that. So uh, it, it is a, it's a good time um, playing at Yankee Stadium or here at Red Bull Arena. They're, they're both uh, great venues for, for that, for that matchup. Yeah, you're listening to the Bifiga podcast. We're sitting here with uh, Keaton Parks. And Keaton, thank you so much for your time. We have one last thing for you. And this is a little bit of a surprise that we're going to spring on you. Okay. We're going to mention a player that you've played with. Uh, and you're going to mention one, two words that come to mind when we uh, mention that player. Good? All right. Sounds good. Let's go with uh, Jota. Uh, Five-star skills. Tiago Dantes. Oh, jeez. Um, um, one of the, I don't know, I would say one of the smartest midfielders I played with. CJ Santos. Oh, best guy ever. Jonas. Uh, best player I've played with. Samaris. Oh, that's, oh man, he's like all around the greatest best guy I've ever met, I think. I, I think I could make a good argument for that. Uh, you said you he was your midfield partner, Florentino. Yeah, a really good friend of mine, and I, I always respected his game so much, and I learned a lot from him. Ruben Dias. Uh, the machine. That guy was – I got to play, I think, one B-team game with him before he was, like, permanently promoted, and then he that guy is just a machine. Zivkovic. Oh, <laughs> funny guy. Uh, I, he, he always gets so mad on the field and yells a lot. I, I think that was always like the funniest, but he's also a great guy off the field. My man, the one and only Adele. Ta-da. That guy is class. We, I was actually, I'm actually pretty good friends with him. Uh, we, we hung out a lot on the B team, but that guy is just is exudes class. That guy is a, a great player. What about the, the young lad, the young superstar who's no longer at Benfica, Juan Felix? Another guy who's just class. That guy was, from the day that I first got to train with him, was just on another level, and I think he always will be and, and will continue to to shine in the world of soccer. Another guy who you shared a lot of minutes in the midfield with, uh, Jetson. Another world talent. I, I think he's. I think he was an incredible player as well. Um, he can do so much on uh, on defensively and offensively, and he, he's he's a great player. This guy, I found him to be the funniest guy in the whole squad in 2018. Um, so I wanted to, to ask you about him, Alpha Smith. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a hilarious guy. I, he's a great player too. I've been 
I've been keeping up with him still while he's in England right now. He's been he's been playing well, and, and he's he's grown a lot since I've met him as well. Now, Keith, when you talk uh, to some of your former teammates, not not precisely these guys at Benfica because they're all on the contract. Obviously, you know we don't want to rub you know <laughs> rub anybody the wrong way. But when you get to speak to some of your former teammates in Portugal, do you would you advise them? You know, coming over to the MLS if they had the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, it's a great league, and there there is a lot of uh, competition and talent in this league as well. Um, and I mean, obviously, I, depending on their situation, uh, there there are pros and cons to to coming to the U.S. and playing soccer in the U.S. Or you know what I mean? So if they have like a super high trajectory tra- trajectory through Europe, like I would, I think I would recommend staying in Europe and stuff like that. But there, everybody has their own situations, uh, own uh, own careers, but. Um, yeah, I think this this league is great. I, I I don't think it's a bad step for anybody. You talked before about playing Tigres in the CONCACAF Champions League. Not exactly the European Champions League, but still the Champions League nonetheless. And when you played them at home, it wasn't exactly home. It was on the other side of the river and New Jersey. What was that like? Going into the to, to, to the wrong... I mean, I don't know. You, probably, you guys probably used the guests. You didn't, you didn't use their home locker room, did you? They didn't give you that access, did they? No, we were in the. I think we were in the away locker room. Um, that's. I mean, I, I would assume so. But it didn't feel. It felt like a home game. We we had a lot of fans show up for that, and Tigres had a lot of fans show up for that. So I'm sure they almost didn't even feel like they were away necessarily. But um, I guess if you do compare it to their home games, it, it's a little different for them. But uh, I felt at home. I mean, it's it's just as close. You know, we're we're right here, um, and all of our fans showed up, and they were loud, and and they filled the filled the seats. So. Um, I felt like I was playing at home for sure. You get to yeah. Portugal. I'm sorry, for you get to Portugal. You're from Brazil, as we spoke about, right? Play at the iconic Stadio de Luz, the new one, by the way. The old one, the other one was even crazier. Yeah. And now you come over to the MLS and you find yourself playing at Yankee Stadium, the house that Derek Jeter built. Talk to us about that. I really don't think it's as bad as you guys think it is. Um, I mean, it's our home stadium, you know, like all it's, it's, where we have our home field advantage. It's where our home fans show up and are loud um, every game. And it, I think it's, I think it gets plenty loud in there. And I think they give us plenty of energy um, for our home games. And I think if you look at our home record from last year too, like it definitely shows. So I've never had a problem with it. I love playing there. I love like, I love having our home stadium and, and playing in front of our home fans. And I think, I don't know. I, I like it. I, <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned the home field advantage. Are the dimensions of the pitch one of the biggest home field advantages for you guys? Uh, I don't think so necessarily. Like, I think if it was the other way around and it was a bigger pitch, I think that would play a little bit of part because we would just be, I don't know, uh, more adapted to, you know, like we'd be ready to play on this big pitch and run more. But the fact that it's a smaller pitch, I think, I don't think it plays a huge part because everybody's fit, you know, and like, and playing a smaller fit, a uh, smaller field just almost helps the other team, you know? So um, for me, like the compact spaces and, and playing in a smaller spaces that ha- happens on bigger fields as well, because the players make that space smaller or, or whatever. So uh, for me, like it doesn't feel home field because of the size of it or, or the dimensions or, or, other things like that. I think it just feels like that because it it is our home stadium with our home fans. Yeah. Now, Keith, do you get recognized more in the streets of New York City slash New Jersey or Lisboa? New What's York City, show? man. This whole city, the whole city knows me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, 
I don't and Lisbon maybe just because I just stand out like I look ridiculous walking through the streets of Lisbon not necessarily just because I played for for Benfica but um yeah I would say Lisbon I get the most looks yeah I, th- I think it was uh funny because when uh we were at Red Bull Arena one night and and Keaton was there and we were hanging out with uh Keaton there was actually a, a Benfica fan that came up and and asked uh Keaton for for uh for a selfie yeah. if I remember correctly so that that's great man and, and look uh from our part we've always been huge fan of fans of yours uh we've always uh supported and, and since we're, we're based in, in north america obviously we're always pulling for american players to do well at our, our at the club from our heart uh but also seeing you make the transition here to the pond specialty especially to uh the new york area where you myself and cristiano are very close and we could follow your career as has been great uh and i know that uh, you and cristiano have gotten to be uh, uh good friends uh and also us here on a podcast we we hold you with the highest regard um i wanted to to thank you personally for the taking the time and and coming to speak to us and 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 not even hesitate on answering any of the questions that we uh put forth in front of you uh so that was great man and and i wanted to thank you personally i don't know if the other boys want to say a word yeah absolutely absolutely thank you thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule now doing nothing at home and you know this crazy time of the world and thank you for joining us and uh we look forward to having you on and you know man we're always going to support you as much as we can and uh last thing last thing just before i check out you look better in red than you do in blue bro just just want to throw it out there uh, you can have your own opinion <laughs> yeah dave uh, no, just uh, one one last question. Now that you're uh, here in America, when you go to these uh, these cities like New York, New England area, even Toronto, do uh, do you have a lot of player uh, fans coming up to you that are that still follow Benfica and uh, still uh, still want to talk to you about Benfica or ask for selfies like uh, Cristiano or sorry like Alfredo uh, mentioned? Do you still have a lot of uh, uh, fans following you that uh, also follow Benfica? Yeah, I did throughout the season last year. We had some fans um, in the crowd that were wearing Benfica jerseys or whatever. Um, there was there was one game that I specifically remember. They, there were a couple guys that were wearing Keaton 55 Benfica jerseys, which was really cool for me. Um, and then there have been Portuguese people here and there that, that do approach me because I play for Benfica, um, but also because I play here now in, in New York City. So, uh, yeah, the Benfica fandom is, is huge, and it, it definitely spreads throughout the Northeast up here. Um, and then also, I mean, throughout the world, but um, I have gotten a little bit of attention through that. Yeah. Excellent. So once again, Keaton, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, everyone's been listening to uh, episode number 361 of the Benfica podcast. Thank you for checking us out. And during this time, I know that uh, there's probably tons of other things that you could be doing, uh, but you decided to listen to this podcast. And thanks again, Dave Cristiano. Always a pleasure. Keaton, best of luck, man. And I hope that uh, this thing's ends quickly so you could get back doing to what you love and, and playing for uh nycfc and and for the mls and if there's uh one season that's not in jeopardy of being canceled is definitely the mls because of how they start thanks again keaton yeah thank you guys so much for having me take care everyone